Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you all here this morning. How's everybody feeling? 930 service. You doing all right? <laughs> oh, it's Christmas time. I feel good. We are in week number two of our Unexpected series, but before we get there, come on, let's take just a minute. I want to celebrate. We are coming out of an absolutely incredible season in the life of our church, and maybe you're new here, or maybe you missed the announcement last week, but we need to reset this thing. Two weeks ago was our Heart for the House Miracle Offering, and we do that once a year, giving over and above our regular giving in order that we could be able to run further and faster in four lanes God's called us to do ministry in. And the first, of course, is right here in our city through things like our weekend food program that we have for, uh, for underprivileged kids and some of our local elementary schools. And we thank you for your giving that's enabling that. Then, of course, in our nation, that's another lane that we feel called to run in. And we're just in that lane. We, we just really believe in planting new life-giving churches. We are able to both plant new churches this year and coach some new churches this year. But we got more coming up in 2019 because of your giving. And then, and then, there's, and then there's globally, our world. And, and, and you gave because we're involved with IJM through fighting the horrors of, of cyber sex slavery. And your giving is rescuing people. And then, and then the fourth lane, of course, is just building our house right here, this place, so that people can come and encounter the love of God. And on one Sunday... And our heart for the house, and if you already celebrated this last week, don't be afraid to do it again. We can do this again. So on one Sunday, you gave over $100,000. Come on. Let's praise God. Woo! I also want to celebrate that this really is an incredible time of year, and it is next Sunday is the best Sunday of the year to bring someone to church. It's just flat out the invite Sunday. So watch out. We got invites on your seat this morning. If you're thinking to yourself, you know, because there is somebody in your world that would come to church with you next week. Like there, there actually is someone who would want to come to a Christmas service, but they're waiting for you to have a little invite card. Or the modern version, take a picture of it and text it to them. That's how we do it. That's how I do a lot of my invites. I just like, this helps me out. I don't hand it to people. Because I don't meet with people. We're just like, we don't do social life at all. Um, but, but you can text that to someone and they will, they'll probably come. And, and you can sit with them and you can text them while you're sitting next to them. It will just be glorious. Give me, it is going, our team has put together a phenomenal, yeah, like it's just going to be, oh, like they, didn't they sing so good? Come on. And you don't even know what's coming next week. It's going to be fantastic and I can't wait. For that. Well, today, as I said, is week number two of our unexpected Christmas message series. And what I want to do at Christmas, and I know I've been hyped up and excited and slightly dancing, but what I want to do at Christmas is actually bring a felt need series that touches you where you hurt the most. Because studies have shown that at Christmas time, you actually feel your pain a little bit deeper. It's not that you've got more problems at Christmas time, it's just whatever it is, the time of year, the holidays, is tend to lean into and feel those things a little bit more than we do at other times of the year. And so what I want to do is bring a series on how to deal with life's unexpected. How to deal with life when it feels overwhelming. Because really the Christmas story, the imagery and the picture of the Christmas story is our God showing up in the midst of the unexpected. It's our God showing up in the midst of the overwhelming and bringing his love and his light 
and ultimately his deliverance. And so that's what this series is all about. Now, last week we talked about Joseph and we talked about gap seasons. And a gap season is simply the, the period in time between when chaos breaks out in your life and when God shows up to reveal that there actually is a plan. And we talked about three different ways you can get stuck in a gap season and actually not get out of a gap season. If you're interested in hearing that, it's on our podcast or on our app or it's just, you can probably just find it. It's like uh, on our website. There's just a bunch of places you can find it. Uh, and and uh, we just thank our, our teams for putting that out for you this morning. I want to flip things over to the other side of the relationship and I want to talk about Mary. And the Bible tells us Mary's story in Luke's gospel. What I want to do is I want to talk around an idea that we, that we mention a lot around here. We talk about doing life together in the party and the pain. You will have heard that. Uh, probably if you've been around here for any length of time, you'll hear it regularly. We want to show up and do life well in both the party and the pain. And as I was reading this text and studying this text again this year, I, I just found both of those things leaping at me off the page in this story. And so Luke, Luke's gospel tells us about Mary's story. This is what the Bible says in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So what we see here is that Mary is from Nazareth, which on the surface doesn't mean a lot to us in modern-day Canada. We don't really understand the context, why that matters, but here's why it's a big deal, is Nazareth was a town in the northernmost region of Galilee that was at most 2,000 people. And Nazareth is also so far removed from the temple in Jerusalem that people that lived in Nazareth would have been considered religious outsiders. And I think that can resonate with a lot of us. Maybe you're here today and And this is your story. You believe in God, but at some point you disconnected from church. And I hear this story all the time. And when they say they disconnected from church, I hear some variation of why they just didn't really feel at home, why they felt like an outsider. And what the Bible reveals and what I believe God brought you here today to say is that you don't have to go through life believing in God but being on the exterior of the thing he's building in the earth, his church. No, God specializes in reaching to and gathering and bringing in, and then, in fact, using people who at one time or another felt like you were an outsider. In fact, you're sitting here today, and you've been coming for a while, and you still feel like, you know, I'm, I am on the, I'm not like a front five rows kind of person. You know, like I just, I want to be on the periphery. I've always just felt like an outsider in church, and God says, oh, come on, somebody. You're exactly who I want to use. Come on. So this is where the, the story sort of begins, where the angel actually speaks to Mary. In verse 28, it says, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women? And I think, you know, we just have a tendency with a story that we've heard a lot to, to kind of not really catch how significant that is. God sends Gabriel to Mary and he tells him to start with party language. I didn't say potty language. I'm a parent of a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Trust me. I know what that's all about. That's like all I hear. If you have any strategies for how to eliminate potty language, I will take your advice gladly. God sends Gabriel with party language. 
Yeah, like I like to picture the scene, right? Like I have like a bit of a, a, a crazy mind. And so I like to try and picture things. And here's how I picture the scene in heaven. Again, this isn't in the Bible. This is sort of my read of how it went down. Because the Bible does tell us that God sent Gabriel. I don't think Gabriel freelanced any of this. I think word for word, this is how God wanted the message to go. And so I can just picture the scene in heaven where God calls Gabriel and says, Hey, Gabe, uh, you see that teenage girl over there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to change the world through her. I'm actually going to send my son. Your son? Yeah, I'm going to send my son. He's going to be born as a human through her. Through her. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, Gabriel wants to get it right. You know, like he's like, you know, he just, he's, he, he wants to make sure he locks them. So, okay, so God, God, how do I tell her that? Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. Here's how you start. Tell her to celebrate. I can just, you know, Gabriel, like, he's like, it's God. And so I don't really want to question, but, but like, <laughs> but God, um, this whole like save your baby mama thing, I think that's a significant responsibility that she's going to need to take seriously. I think maybe I should start out by saying, hey, there's a weight of responsibility, honey, that you need to grasp if you're going to do this thing. God says, no, I want you to start with the party language, celebrate. Are you getting this? This is important. Why does this matter so much? Because if you've been called to do something great for God, and if you're in this room, or if you're breathing oxygen, I would presume that you have been called to do something great for God. If you've been called to do something great for God, there are days it is going to be incredibly painful and challenging. What is one of God's recipes for getting through the overwhelming, challenging, unexpected? I'll tell you what the first thing he shows up and says is, you better be good at celebrating. You better, here's your permission slip, Mary, to lean into some joy. Like, I know it's chaotic. I know it's messed up. I know it doesn't look like you thought it was going to look, but you are going to be able to lean into some joy. Here's why this matters so much. Here's why this is such an important word today in our culture. Because all of us waste hours a day ruminating on our uncertainties and our fears. We spend more time rehearsing our fears than we do celebrating the good. We are not good at celebrating. God knew this. It's why in the Old Testament he mandated feasts. He's like, I'm going to put parties on your calendar because you're not good at this. Take some time off. Eat some food. Celebrate. Hang out and have a good time. You know, one of the, the, the tricks of the devil, and I don't want to give the devil any credit, but listen, one of, the, one of the schemes of the enemy is to try and convince you that God is boring, archaic, out of date, and mean. And it's just not the God of the Bible. My God created celebration. He invented the party. Our culture looks at parties as something you do when you try to disconnect from reality. Like, drink until your worries are gone. Turn the music up so loud. And I'm a fan of loud music, as you may have noticed from the worship this morning. Uh, but in our culture, it's not turn it up because it sounds good. It's, it's sometimes it's like turn it up so you can drown out all the voices and the noise. You know what celebration looks like, I think, in God? Yes, the music is loud. And yes, there's a place for having a 
disconnect and being like, let's press in to just have a good time. But you know what I think true celebration looks like? It looks like what Gabriel just did here. Don't blind yourself from reality. Look at what God's doing. Celebrate. Rejoice. Why? Because God's with you. Why? Because he's favored you. Why? Because he's blessing you. I don't see any of those things right now. Trust me, if you pause for a moment and you look deep, come on, somebody. We are not good at, one of the reasons we don't see it, we're just not good at pausing and looking for it. Celebrate. You need a permission slip from God today. You, God, listen, God brought you here today to hand you a permission slip to be happy this Christmas. Y'all are doubting me because you're just struggling with it. Like, it's just you struggle. Listen, you don't have to get weird. You don't have to put like spiritual blinders on. Like, I've, I've been around Christians that get a little Christian weird, and I don't want to get judgmental or critical, but Christian weird to me is just like you put on the blinders and it's like it's all good all the time. You don't need that either. That's weird. Like, that's disconnected from reality. Nobody thinks that's a good idea. I'm talking about facing the pain and saying, come on, but let's celebrate. The party and the pain, we'll get there. But start with the part. Hey, Gabriel, you got a message for a teenager that's going to walk through some problems. She's going to have to escape as a refugee to Egypt. She's going to have to walk away because of infant genocide. She's going to have people chasing after her son's life. She's going to have to watch him die on a cross. You know what she needs? She needs to be good at celebrating. Oh, man, I... Are you ready? Are you ready for the God's word today? You weren't ready. You didn't come in ready. You're ready. Here's the second thing. Let's go. Number two. There's, there's four instructions from Gabriel to Mary. Here's the second one. <laughs> Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. This is Almost a ridiculous instruction. It borders on impossibility. Here's why, like, it really does border on the impossible. If you turn the page, like, the Bible, I don't, well, for whatever reason, nobody records any of Mary's words for 12 years. It's just, maybe she was just treasuring it all up in her heart, right? She was just quiet, just treasured it in her heart. But then some of y'all, like, will get that. That's, like, what the Bible says about her. And that's, it's, anyways, she's treasuring in her heart. At 12 years old, she speaks again. So she sees, she sees Gabriel, she talks to him, she goes to Elizabeth, we'll get there later, she talks to Elizabeth. And then she doesn't say anything for 12 years. And then all of a sudden she speaks, and this is going to be so helpful for some of y'all. Uh, here's, here's the setup. The family goes to Jerusalem, right, from Nazareth, they go to Jerusalem, to the temple, and then they turn around, and in a caravan of people, they start heading back to Nazareth. And they don't realize Jesus isn't with them, which, quick interruption, is how a lot of us live our lives. Like we turn away from Jesus, we walk away, and we just have, we think he's with us, but we have no idea, like we just, we've lost sight of the fact he's, no, he's not in the caravan. <laughs> so then they realize he's not there, and they turn back, and they spend three days looking for a 12-year-old in a major city. Imagine a 12-year-old alone and lost in a major city. Hashtag home alone too, right? You got that. So they find him. Mary's first words. She hasn't talked in 12 years. She probably did. But this is what we get. 
son, why have you been treating us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Like, we've been worried about you. We've been scared, anxious. You know what we've been? I haven't talked in 12 years. Let me say the very first thing I'm going to say. I've been afraid. God gives Mary an instruction she can't live up to. She can't, you can't even turn the page. She's afraid. It, it's this way through, all throughout the Bible. Uh, the disciples, same deal. Jesus is always saying, don't fear. Number one command of the Bible is, do not be afraid. So Jesus is always saying to the disciples, don't be afraid, fear not. And then Jesus is crucified, and what do they do? They turn, they run, they hide. It's not until Jesus rises again, walks into the room, that suddenly they start living these fearless lives. Jesus resurrecting changed everything. Jesus had overcome the thing that they were most afraid of. Their greatest fear was the loss of their life, the persecution that could come from being associated with Jesus. Once Jesus walks through the wall and they realize, oh, you overcame that thing that was my biggest fear, suddenly they start living fearless lives. And it's the same in our lives today. It's not until you come to the conclusion that Jesus has overcome the thing that you're afraid of that you're going to start living a more fearless life. Mary, do not be afraid. Avia right now is afraid of the dark. And so she said, Daddy, I need, I need, my, I need my light on while I sleep, which is, is not going to work. And so I've, I've strung up some Christmas lights in her room. And it borders on being too bright to sleep. But nevertheless, I'll plug those in. But still, when she wakes up in the night, she still yells, Daddy, because she's still afraid of the dark, even though it's pretty light in her room. And so I will go to her room, and when I'm next to her, she can overcome her fear of the dark. Why? Because she's sitting with someone who has overcome his fear of the dark. Do not be afraid, Mary. So God has shown up so far, and watch this. I think this is so beautiful. Two instructions to Mary. Number one, celebrate. Number one, party language. Number one, rejoice, because God's with you and he's favored you and he's blessed you. Find the beautiful all the time. Get better at celebrating, Mary. You're going to need this. This is not going to be easy. Secondly, here's what you do in pain. Do not be afraid. Don't let that thing that feels overwhelming in your life, that feels unexpected, the timing of which has blown you away, do not be afraid. How do you handle the party? How do you handle the pain? We go on. There is two more instructions. This third one. This is fantastic. Verse 30 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is the only piece of instruction given for raising a savior. Here's what you name the boy. Call him Jesus. It means God will rescue. Here's all the instruction you need, Mary. Rachel, and, like when, when we go out at night 
and we have a babysitter come over, I give them a long list of instructions, even to the point of telling them how to get our kids a glass of water if they wake up. And the people will look at me, and they'll be like, how to give them a glass of water? I know how to give a glass. I'm like, no, but here, you got to understand this. If you give it this way, you will have a far higher success rate at getting them back to bed. So I would expect for raising a savior, there would be a long list of how-tos. Like, if Jesus and his brothers, say James, get into a fight, and you come around the corner, Mary, and you see James hitting Jesus, if James says, he hit me first, and Jesus says, no, I didn't, trust Jesus. <laughs> I would expect there to be a long list of ways to raise a Savior, and the only thing we get is, here's what you need, him. You need this in your life. You are worried about all the details, and God is saying, how do you see me, and what do you refer to me as? Am I the God who delivers you? Am I the God who rescues? Mary. Here's your instructions on how to raise a savior, baby. Just give him the right name. Just look at him the right way. Understand who he is. The rest will kind of sort itself out. So then we get to a little bit more great words from, from Gabriel. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary, of course, says, Will this be? Since I'm a virgin. And then Gabriel says, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, now watch this last part. <laughs> and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. The last piece of instruction is not an implicit imperative. It is not go visit Elizabeth, but I actually believe it is instruction from God to go and do just that. And we see that because as you read on, it says in verse 39 that Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So we can grasp and gather that this actually was instruction. Mary, you need to go and be with Elizabeth. Why Elizabeth? We're told very little about Elizabeth here in the text, but there are two things. The first is she's expecting a baby. Watch this. In other words, she celebrated. But there's more. She was barren. She has walked through pain. I'm going to give you some impossible instructions, Mary. You can't do this alone. You know who you need in your life is someone who knows how to celebrate and someone who's walked through some pain. This is Resonate Church. This is why we show up on Sundays and we jump and we celebrate. And these guys worship loud and we go all in. Because if you're going to get through the pain of this life, you've got to begin to lean into the celebration. Quick little 2019 
here's where we're going. In the new year in January, we're starting a brand new series called Hey DJ. And we're gonna have like a guy turning tables as part of the worship. Like it won't be the whole worship set. It would be weird in like the slow stuff. It was like, <laughs> but in the fast stuff, we're gonna be like turning some tables. You might think that's weird. I think the church absolutely should be a demonstration of what it looks like to celebrate. Like let's take back the mantle of being a party house that knows how to celebrate. We're gonna have DJ-led dance parties after the service, and we're gonna pretend they're for the kids, but really. <laughs> right? When you're dancing with your kid, you can sort of get away with it, and everybody's an auntie or an uncle in this house, so you can find a kid. Just shake it off. This matters. You're gonna get through the pain, you better get better at celebrating. But, you, but this is also Resonate Church. We don't skip the pain. We don't try and fix the pain. I'm not your answer. Jesus is your answer. But he's put us in community together so that we can see it. Your tears matter in this house. And they don't need to be hidden. And we're getting better at that all the time. Because you're going through it. Here's some impossible instructions. You're not really good at partying. <laughs> Get better at it. Learn how to walk without fear in the pain. Get some people around you that are good at that. <laughs> Watch this. This is so great. I love the Bible. Gabriel gave her a list of four impossible instructions. Four impossible imperatives. And then he closes out and he, and he says this. For nothing's impossible with God. Jesus, we, we welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. Church is not the answer. Preaching is not the answer. Worship is not the answer. And we thank you for all those things. A revelation of who you are is what changes us. place today, God, we lift up our eyes, we declare that you are the God who rescues, we declare that you are the God who delivers. I'm going to invite you all over the room, church, to stand, and in this atmosphere of worship, we're going to respond with singing. God, we give you praise, we glorify your name, Holy Spirit, come have your way to speak to our Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, we're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, 
church, let's give God some ridiculous praise in this place today. We love you, God. Let's invite you to stay in an atmosphere of worship with your eyes closed and heads bowed. Let's do that to give you a moment of privacy. God's speaking to hearts all over the room. Maybe you came into the place today and you... You haven't yet said, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I believe that you are the God who delivers. You haven't yet seen him as he is. Like you've never given him full and complete reign in your life. And today, before you leave this place today, God's given you an opportunity to receive his love and receive his mercy. The Bible says that salvation actually is a free gift on the basis of your faith. So you say, what do I have to do to earn it? What are the steps of faith that he's who he says he is? Believing that he died on the cross and rose again so you can be forgiven and free. That's it. So if you're in the room today and you're saying, Pastor, today's my day. I've never, never made that decision before. Put Jesus in the top seat of my life. Or maybe I made it a long time ago and I walked away from God and got away from the city. Didn't realize he wasn't with me. Today, I'm going to make a recommitment of my life to Christ. If that's you in the room today, would you just slip up your hand in the quietness of this moment? No one's looking around. It's between you and God. It's a private moment of faith. Saying, yeah, include me in a final prayer. We won't send you out or embarrass you in any way. It's just, this is between you and God. It's a faith moment. Say, yeah, would you include me in a closing prayer? So if you just raised your hand or maybe you wanted to and did, would you pray this and resonate family would you join in this prayer to support those who are praying this say dear Jesus give you my life I'm all yours I believe you're the God who delivers and I put you in the top seat of my life help me follow you I believe you died and rose again so I receive your forgiveness make me brand in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate those who just made that decision today? Yep.